and open your Bibles again. Turn with me to John. Guest, we've uh, we've been in John one through eleven, one through forty-four for the past uh, two Lord's days, and today we shall uh, complete that section concerning Lazarus and his resurrection as we uh, come to the Lord's table in just a few moments. I'm going to read the entire portion again for us. It's important that we read God's word in its context. Follow along as I read God's inerrant, infallible word. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death, it's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve days, twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to him, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. 
I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. I hope you believe that. Father, give us faith to believe. Help us to hear your voice now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when we started this a few weeks back, we recognized a couple of things from the get-go. One is that this passage is consistent with all the preceding passages in a lot of ways. I'll point some of those out today again. But one is that this passage is intended to bring faith. Did you notice that as I was reading? Uh, Jesus says specifically that uh, all of this... Lazarus being sick, Lazarus dying. Jesus said in verse 15, And for your sake I'm glad that I was not there, so that for this purpose you may believe. And that's, remember, the purpose of the gospel according to John. We saw that in chapter 1. 
reflecting on chapter 20 where John says, all these things have been written so that you may believe. That in believing you may have life. We saw in chapter 10, Jesus said that you may have life and have it abundantly. We also noted that this reminds us a lot of chapter 9 and the blind man. It's not insignificant that they mention that, they being the people surrounding him. Some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? You remember They asked Jesus the question about the blind man. Who sinned, this man or his family? Well, of course, the answer is both. But that was not the point. Jesus said it's not about who sinned. But he was born blind so that God might be glorified. And that's what he says here. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, he says, this illness does not lead to death. That is, ultimately, he did die, but ultimately, he was raised. But it doesn't even stop there. He's saying, ultimately, he's not going to die at the end of his life. Even after I resurrect him, he's not going to die. He's going to be more alive than ever. And then comes the resurrection on the great last judgment day. He's already taught us about in John chapter 5. It's a general resurrection. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. Folks, this is something you struggle with. Every selfish, sinful person struggles with this. That God is the point. You're not the point. I'm not the point. God's the point. It's his glory that's the point. Not our glory. Not our recognition. Not our place in this world. His place. His purpose. His glory. His greatness. That's it. It's about him. And when you get over yourself. And by the way, that's what salvation does, doesn't it? It it gets us over ourselves. It brings us to the end of self because we know we have nothing to contribute. We're dead in trespassing and sins. And even our most righteous deeds, the Bible says, are filthy rags. It's all about the glory of God. Jesus says this illness doesn't lead to death. Ultimately, finally, it's for the glory of God. So that, here again, the purpose clause, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. God the Father would be glorified and the Son of God would be glorified. And I pointed out two weeks ago, here we have it again. Jesus, one more time, drawing himself and the Father together. The unity of the, of the Godhead, Father and Son. Just as Jesus had said in chapter 10, I and the Father are one. He just said it again in those words. God is going to be glorified. And oh, by the way, I'll be glorified. When the Father's glorified, the Son's glorified. The Son's glorified, the Father's glorified. And by the way, the Spirit is glorified as well. And so, 
We looked at that. And out of this being the purpose of this event, the glory of God and of the Son of God, we saw that the glory of Christ motivated his timing. He didn't go straight there when he heard that he was sick. And by the way, it had nothing to do with him liking Lazarus or not liking Lazarus, loving him or not loving him. In fact, John goes on to tell us now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed where he was. Now to us, that's, that's just strange to our ears, isn't it? If he loved them, wouldn't he run straight there? I mean, let's face it. If one of you dads heard that your son was sick, your daughter was sick, you wouldn't stay two more days where you were. You'd be on the phone with Delta, telling them the situation and how quick can I get on the next flight. Anybody here that wouldn't do that, you need to see us after the service and we'll pray for you. Right? And Jesus says, he stayed two days because he loved them. Because he loved them. He didn't stay because he didn't want to go. He didn't stay because he was tired. He didn't stay because he was hungry. He didn't stay because he didn't care. He stayed because he loved them. And he wanted them to see something greater. He wanted their faith increased. Remember, that's what this passage is about. It's about the glory of God and our faith being increased. So we saw that his timing was motivated by his glory. What would bring him the most glory? Not about Lazarus, not about Martha and Mary. What about his glory? What would bring the most glory to God the Father and God the Son? And it was him waiting and letting Lazarus die. Then last week, we saw that the glory of Christ also motivated his teaching. We looked at verses 17 through 27, and it's right there, summarized in verse 27, 24. I'll begin in 24. Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She had been listening to Jesus. She knew what he had taught in John chapter 5. Jesus said, you're thinking about an event, Martha. You've missed it, Martha. I am the resurrection. I'm the life. You don't have to wait on the event. I'm the resurrection. In other words, and, and we talked about this. I'll say it again. It bears repeating. When we talk about the grace of God, don't forget it's God who is gracious. Grace is not some substance that's, that God has set apart over here and he dispenses it when he needs to. It's who he is. Christ Jesus dwells with us richly. Christ is the grace of God. Christ is the resurrection. That's the reason 
there's a sense in which we're already raised. If you're in Christ Jesus, united to Christ, Christ has been raised from the dead, we're raised in Christ. But because of that, there's the not yet that's going to come on that last great judgment day when we're all physically raised. Not just spiritually raised, but physically raised. And every, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of lords and king of kings. So we're already resurrected in Christ, in union with Christ. But yes, the physical resurrection will come. But he's also the life. So even when we're dead and our body is in the ground or in a cave or buried at sea, wherever our remains are, we are united to Christ. Shorter Catechism 37 speaks of that beautiful biblical truth so wonderfully. That's the reason we don't grieve like other people. Because when, when we place our beloved ones in the grave, we know they're just as alive, they're more alive not just as alive, they're more alive now than they were when they walked the earth. Their souls taken immediately into the presence of the Lord and their bodies waiting the resurrection in union with Christ. He's the resurrection of the life. We saw that last week. And now we have to get on to the third point. And the fourth point, the glory of Christ motivates his tears. Remember, the whole point, it's for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Verse 28, Jesus comes. The teacher is here, Martha says to Mary. Mary goes out to see him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise, they thought, oh, she's going to the going to the tomb. So let's go. Let's go be with her. She doesn't need to be there alone. Let's go with her. So they go with her. When Mary came to where Jesus was, she did what she apparently was accustomed to doing. Remember, she's the one, John has already set the stage for this. She's the one who fell at his feet and anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. She's also the one that wanted to sit at the feet of the Lord's teaching. And here she goes and she falls before the Lord. And she says the same thing that Martha had said. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then comes the tears. Jesus saw her weeping. And all those Jews that were there with her were also weeping. And notice... He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. This is a simple point, folks. This is incomprehensible truth. That the God-man could show emotion. God is without passion. That's because he's unchangeable. But the God-man... William Cunningham, 
the Scottish theologian of the 19th century, is so good on this. He says, here we have God and man in one person, Christ Jesus. And yet the fact that this Jesus Christ is God doesn't keep his humanity from showing all the affection, all the stress, all the needs of the humanity. Because they're distinct and yet they're one. This is part of the mystery of the union of Christ, God-man in one person, Christ Jesus. So we read this, and Jesus is, is churning on the inside, and it reminds us, doesn't it? It reminds us of Matthew. I hope you're reminded of this. If not, I'm about to remind you. Chapter 9. We read this, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease, every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You covenant folks will remember, I hope, that word compassion there. We get our word spleen from it. It's sometimes translated bowels. The innermost parts of the Lord convulsed when he saw these people because they epitomized the fallen status of man, helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. And that's the very same thing that takes place here. He sees his friend Lazarus dead. See, he saw those people, the masses, spiritually dead and his innards turned over. He sees his, his friend Lazarus physically dead and the same thing happened. Now, let me ask you a question. This is a convicting question. When we see the spiritually dead, helpless and harassed like our Lord Does it affect us? Or have we become so desensitized to spiritual death that it doesn't even phase us anymore to walk past a spiritually dead person and not smell the stench of spiritual death on them that's wafting up to the heavens and the nostrils of our great God? And realize they are dead in trespass and sins. The only thing that's going to resurrect them is the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to pray for them that the Spirit of the living God would come and give them the new birth, the regeneration they need. And ask for them to believe in Jesus Christ. Same thing with physically dead. We have games. We have television. We have movies. People kill at the drop of a hat. No wonder... We have people walking into schools and cafeterias and hospitals just shooting away because they see it every day of their life. We've become desensitized to it. I'm afraid we as Christians, we may not go around shooting guns at people because we're so desensitized to death, but we've become so used to death that we don't become 
sad about it anymore. We should grieve because death's not normal, y'all. God didn't make us to die. He made us to live forever. Go back and read your Bibles. Genesis 1 and 2, he made us to live forever. And we become kind of numb to it all. And we're not like our Lord Jesus. And yet we're supposed to be, as believers, as regenerate, we're supposed to be made and renewed and become new creatures in the image of Christ. So we need to ask the Lord's forgiveness and we need to ask the Lord to make us more like Christ. That we would mourn with those who mourn and that we would weep with those who weep. And then he saw the whole crowd and then notice again when he goes to the cave, he was also deeply moved again as he came to the tomb of his friend Lazarus. And it was all the glory of of God and of the Son of God that motivated these tears so that people could say, my, how he loved Lazarus. Now, that's what some of them said. But others, and we've seen this all the way through, haven't we? There have been those who believed when Jesus would do the miracles. Every time at the end. And many believed, some believed. And then there were those who said, oh, I think I better go tell the Pharisees about this guy. And you've got it here again. Some said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? The question. Why didn't he do this? It was for the timing. It was for his glory. It's all about him, y'all. And Jesus did everything perfectly. In the fullness of time, Paul said, he came. And everything he did then in his lifetime for us was in his time. How many times did they seek to make him a king and he went out of their presence? Or they were going to stone him to death and he went out of their presence. He could have done the same thing on the day of his crucifixion had he chosen. Had that not been the day that was decreed from eternity. And by the way, only he knew the day. They couldn't set it. They could have set dates. You all read the, the news from Martha. God's changed our vacation plans. They had planned their vacation. But God had a gallbladder attack in store for Dennis on that day. And Dennis didn't go to the vacation. He went to the hospital spa. It's all in his timing, and that's all for his glory. So that we don't sit around and take, take the credit. Man, I really planned this well, didn't I? God gets the glory. The glory of Christ motivates his tears. Lastly, the glory of Christ motivates his triumph. Notice what he says in verse 38. 
Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. And I remind you in reading the last two weeks, odor is really, really far too weak. That's insipid. That's, it stinks. As the old translation, he stinketh. Okay? Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? See, here we have, we've come full circle. This is for the glory of God, for the Son of Man to be glorified. And we've come full circle here at the end of the story. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus prays in their presence. I thank you. And, you know, parents do this sometimes. Your prayers are really more talking to your children. Now, that, I'm not commending that, by the way. But every parent has fallen into that trap. Instead of praying to the Lord with and for your children, you pray to correct the children. To be sure they get the point. Well, Jesus is sort of kind of doing this here. Notice what he says. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of, listen, they're listening to him. All these people are listening. Everybody awake. Come on. You're looking sluggish back there. He's praying and these people are hearing him pray. He, he says that. I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out. So he's praying out loud and he says, Lord, they hadn't got it yet. Their faith is weak. I said this on account of the people standing around you. I thank you that you have heard me. This is Jesus doing this, this thing again. The Father may be glorified. I am glorified. I and the Father are one. The Father sent me. I say what the Father tells me to say. The Father and I are one. We are a unity. That's what he's doing. I knew you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around. Because they don't understand yet that you sent me and I say only what you tell me to say. And I do what you tell me to do. What's been, in other words, what's been decreed from eternity past. That's what I'm here to do. And it's for our glory, Father. And it's so that they may believe that you sent me. Do you believe that God the Father sent God the Son to save his people from their sins? Doesn't say to make salvation possible if someone believes. To save his people from their sins. That's what the Father sent him to do. That we might believe that. Aren't you glad that God didn't leave anything to chance or luck or to us? And by the way, he was only ill, Lazarus was, when they first notified the Lord. He died subsequently. And they said, the two sisters separately said, if you'd have come, he wouldn't have died. 
when we called you, there was time enough for you to come and you could have, you could have made him well. But that wouldn't have brought the glory to Christ, the resurrection did. But it also wouldn't have done this. It wouldn't have set the stage for his triumph. He was about to go to the cross. And he knew his people were going to be weeping for him just as they were weeping for Lazarus. Just a few short days away, y'all. And this is the last, remember? This is the last of the miracles. This is the one that he finishes his earthly ministry with before he raises himself from the dead. And it's a resurrection miracle. And he's been teaching them. If you go to the other gospels, he's been teaching them. And he's been saying specifically, I'm going to Jerusalem. I will die. I'll be crucified. On the third day, I'll be raised again from the dead. And now he pictures it for them in the resurrection of Lazarus. You struggle with whether or not I can raise myself. I can raise Lazarus. And so he shouts out, Lazarus, come out. Now, the resurrection of Jesus, I'll say this very quickly. The resurrection of Jesus and Lazarus are different in one sense. Remember what we saw a few weeks ago in the Easter service? From Luke's account, Jesus was raised. They went in and there were the, 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 the cloths right there. The face cloth folded and laid right there at the head. And they're looking at it. And they're like, wow. He was in there last time we saw him. Now there's no one in that wrapping. Lazarus doesn't pop out of the cloths. I don't know. I always get a little chuckle when I read this because John says he came out his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. If any of you have seen mummies wrapped up or if any of you have ever seen these ladies who wear these real tight skirts and you wonder how do they move their legs and walk and you watch them and they can't and it's funny and watching Lazarus hop out of that tomb must have been a spectacle that's the reason I say I always kind of smile and chuckle when I read this passage because he couldn't walk out he was still bound in other words he didn't raise himself the, the linen cloths are going to be in the tomb when Jesus rises. He raised himself out of those things. But Lazarus just responded to the come out. The last miracle, a resurrection. And the public would still be talking about it when the next resurrection takes place. And resurrection becomes a central theme then of the whole New Testament writing.
Interesting, it's not so much the cross that's the central. It's the resurrection. Because he is a living God. Not a dead God. A living God. In Christ's time, for his glory, he will bring life to his people. Those who love him and are called according to his purposes. That's because he's the resurrection and he's the life. Do you believe that? If you leave this building today not believing that he's the resurrection of the life, not believing that he can raise you from your dead status, then you have no hope. Let's pray. Father, I pray that if there's any here in that state without hope, not believing that you would do what only you can do to glorify yourself, and that is give them faith. Give them a new birth that they might have faith in Christ and so believe. All, you tell us, all who are appointed to life believe. We pray that you would, you would give them faith to believe today. We ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.